Hello and welcome to Women Rise, a podcast about women changemakers that explores the emergence of a new leadership paradigm which calls us to lead from within. I'm your host, Claire Molinard, and I live and work on the island of Corsica in the south of France. I'm a holistic coach and therapist. I teach and facilitate developmental programs for conscious women changemakers, helping them move from depleted and disconnected to resourced and interconnected. Every week, I meet with other women leaders and we explore the inner game of leadership and how, in these times of emergency, we are being called to our unique self-emergence to co-create a world that works for everyone. My guest today is Abby Hain. Abby lives on the gorgeous island of Maine in beautiful British Columbia on the west coast of Canada. And she has been a nurse since she was 19. She started with hands-on nursing and moved into work involving system safety. Recently, she completed her PhD research on the psychological safety needs of health professionals in Canada. Abby, I'm delighted to have you on this podcast. Welcome. Hi, Claire. I'm delighted to be here with you. <laughs> As you know, this podcast explores how women lead from within. I often use that expression. And for me, it means that there's a way in which some women are able to bring their emotional and spiritual intelligence in service of their leadership. And when that happens, something different is able to come through. And that something is what I'm interested in exploring with you. Do you want to yeah. say something about that? What does that evoke to you? Yeah, it, uh, it resonates with me. Definitely, definitely resonates with me. I never seen myself in leadership positions when I first started in my world. So entering into the world of healthcare and nursing, I didn't see myself where I am now, that's for sure. But I do know that I was always moving with a heart-centered approach in things that I did. Believe me, I've gotten it wrong <laughs> many times. But I think always for the forefront, and I think that's probably why I was attracted to being a nurse. It's been about human connection for me. So tell me more about what you mean by a heart-centered leadership. Yeah, there's always a need for logic and analysis and good business acumen and all these kinds of things leading. But for me, it was always about the other human being in front of me and who they were and what was happening for them and what was their experience and what experience were they bringing. And just the sheer privilege of getting to know another human in front of you, you know. I don't want to paint a Pollyanna picture, please believe me. I, I've gotten it wrong. I was, you know, I, I got a role as a senior director in a national organization. And oh boy, did that go to my head. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I've got to get it right. And I looked around me at society and what you're supposed to do as a leader and a director in charge of the situation. And, you know, I was going to try and fight for a good budget and a big team and going to have these fabulous projects. And I lost sight of that heart-centered yes. way of being. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I was hard on the people that worked for me. Yeah. 
Was this your first role in leadership? Yes, in a in a very formal way. I had done I had leadership in, in hospitals. I did a lot of education, uh, which was really fun, bringing in very new people to the profession. Super enjoyable. But this was the first formal senior director reporting to a CEO, um, mm -hmm. working with the board. Um, I was I was in charge of the board governance and you know, all the formal pieces, you know, I had a budget. Yeah. Help me understand. You said you try to fit into an image of leadership that you assumed was exactly. being asked from you. Yeah. And yeah. how did you shift mm. to the, the heart-centered leadership that you mentioned earlier? Yeah. Um, well, definitely I was having effect on a few people on the team and I, I knew my leadership was having an effect. I was pushing them way too hard. We were all excited about the work and the projects and people wanted to pour time and energy, but I was not caring for people hmm. properly. I was being demanding and, Which is you not know. your nature. No. Yeah, exactly. So what effect uh, was it having on you? I mean, obviously, it was having an effect on others, but what effect was it having on you to be yeah. against your nature in some ways? Sure. Yeah, I think, Claire, I honestly I burned out. I absolutely got to a place where I remember I would be all over Canada, traveling everywhere and international too. And I remember going down, I was down another hotel hallway, in fact, to a point where After this job, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to stay in hotels anymore. I was traveling so much. And I just thought, okay, this is not it. <laughs> this is not it. And I, believe me, the work was amazing. People, the team, all of it was incredible. But wow, what a learning. And, you know, I had looked back a little bit and I, go, I went back to my nursing thing and, 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 and the connections with patients and families and what's really real in life. And I had done a study in my master's on nurse presence and being present as a human to nurses between nurses and patients. I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was there. And then I started to study it. And that was the terminology that was used. But it's just that heart-centered connection. So I actually did leave the position. And, you know, I did it at the height of my game. We, a new CEO came on board, and she was a woman, and she was phenomenal. And I thought, oh, my gosh, she could be an amazing mentor. And she really did offer that mentorship, and she was excited to start to work with me. And I decided to leave because I just thought, okay, <laughs> I've learned a lot here and I could have given it more time. Right. So in some I ways, left. in a way, you didn't see another way of leading within that position. Or did you? The CEO that came on board, she was doing it. She absolutely was. What was she doing? When she introduced herself to the team, she, I always remember this. She talked about being in a choir first thing she said, I love to sing and I'm in a choir. And that got me right away. It wasn't about where she'd been, what she'd done and, you know, projects that had been achieved. It was heart-centered right away. So she showed and you there was a different way. Very much so. Uh, 
She's an incredible leader. She's done incredible things nationally in Canada. And I knew that it was just time for me to go. I'd been in this position. And then quite frankly, my health was not great. And I knew that I just needed to stop mm. and get out of that environment and just re-return to, actually, not even look at a new way of being. It was returning to what I knew before, you know? So, yeah, it was a challenging, difficult time. That's what, believe it or not, I jumped into a PhD. I thought that might be a good place to go. So this is a time when you decided to start your PhD from that period of burnout, of descent. Exactly. And were you looking for the medicine that you needed in that particular time? Yes. And truly, I do believe there's a lot of people do, especially going into a PhD, my time in life. So I would have been 50 years old. I do believe that quite a few 50-year-olds doing PhDs are looking for more than completing a degree, right? And um, I knew I needed to take the time and the vast space to really feel into my becoming, right, quite frankly. And that's what it was. I started off in that machine mode, very efficient on the coursework. I was getting amazing grades, getting huge scholarships and grants. And then I started to realize the exploration was more than simply the materials in the program. It was much bigger than that. And I had an amazing year. I had such a soulful, one of the years in my program, I had such a soulful spiritual year. I went to the island of Iona in Scotland, which is a very sacred place. I went to a conference for the PhD stuff in Glasgow, and then I said, and that's it, I'm off, I'm going to this island. <laughs> and off I went, and it's the island where Bridget's Well is, is there. And uh, I went to the well at sunrise and did a ceremony, I gathered some, uh, some sacred water, took it home, I made little bottles, little 35 little bottles, and I took a year to give very special people, these little bottles of holy water from Bridget's Well. And that was a real ritual for me to just really solidify that that heart-centered human connection is, is, is what it really, really is. Wow. And then I started to infuse that into my work. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. So let me try yeah. and rewind a little bit to make sure that I understand. You had that natural heart-centered way of connecting with others and that very nurturing and caring nature that is so um, recognizable in you. And that is probably what took you into nursing at 19. And for as long as you did that hands-on working, that was there. And the challenge arrived when you had to step into leadership roles you somehow went against your nature or didn't know how to bring that with you in your leadership. That was mm -hmm. the challenge for you. Hmm? Yes. Uh, yes. And that makes mm -hmm. so much sense. Often women come into leadership with assumptions and ideas about how to be a leader. And it seems like you went against your nature long enough to actually burn out. And, and there was this fairy, this role model that came to you at this time to show you, hey, there's a different way. And you were gracious enough to leave the space for her 
to do what she knew how to do already. And that took you into your own journey. And that was necessary for you to go back to the source, to, to go back to your heart, to actually reclaim what was yours. Is that an accurate summary? I would say it is very accurate, Claire. And the funny thing that you mentioned, which I absolutely love, is that you said there was this fairy that came. You used the word fairy. And I need to tell you, which is absolutely gorgeous, is I was going to mention it. I thought, no, it's a little crazy. The CEO that came, she had fairies all over her office. She had that little like a fairy glass. when you told me about her. I mean, why? What else would she be? She came to your life <laughs> while you're ha we're having a burnout. Showed you there was another way, and graciously took over, and you graciously opened the space for her because you recognized yeah. her at some level. Yeah, isn't that fun? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking, you know, like we were, there's th there was three women senior directors and we're like, she's got fairies in her office. She's the CEO. She has fairies. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I love that. Mm -hmm. and, and so you had a spiritual awakening or an earth awakening in Scotland. You finished your PhD. How did that change the last years that you were on that PhD? Yeah, as you, as you mentioned, it's about a reclaiming, you know, it really was a reclaiming. And um, sometimes when I look back on the writing, I thought, oh my gosh, what on earth is going on here? So I, I was lucky to have fabulous, oh fabulous mentors in my program. And they let me wander, they let me wander where I needed to wander. And so a lot of the writing was, was very soulful. It was, I chose the methodology of phenomenology, which is lived experience. And it's a type of methodology that um, encourages the poetic. And so poetic writing and poetic thinking. And I had beautiful participants. And the methodology requires you have a really a deep relationship with your participants. So it all came to fruition around this connectivity to human experience. And so I think one of the things that I was able to bring to the work was courage. Courage to really show myself, completely show myself in the writing and in the work. And I would say for sure, um, It could have taken me away from rigor. And I was a sense of, you know, it's still a scientific method. And so here again, I was facing this notion of heart-centered and yet balancing it out with logic analysis, the lines and the circles. And again, I drifted over now into the other extreme. Isn't this interesting as I talk about this? Isn't life amazing? <laughs> And so I drifted into too much heart-centered um, focus in the writing. And did I stay with the rigor? Maybe not. So maybe not in certain areas. And so I went through a real challenge defending the PhD. I really did. I was challenged at the PhD defense for sure. And my mentors were shocked and they were completely devastated, upset. They thought this was really unfair 
because they put you forward that you're ready, right? And so I went through another grind, another grind facing the balance. So here we are. And you know, heart-centered is good. Being authentic is good. You still need rigor. You still need the scientific method. You still need to have the evidence. Um, And there's all other pieces to it. There was personality things as well. But I had to readjust my writing and to tighten it up and to clean it up. And there we are and defended it and finished. Yeah. So it wasn't easy. Amazing. And the topic of your PhD, tell me more about that, because I have a sense it's very much related to what you went through personally. Yeah. And so that, that basically the study was to understand the effect of going through a serious mistake in working in healthcare while giving patient care and in a group of health professionals. And the focus was on how does one grow through that kind of experience. And so the psychological safety aspect is, you know, sort of some of the professional requirements around being able to speak about mistakes and how we're not there yet in the health professions. There's a whole sort of ethos around perfectionism and our colleges train us to be perfect practitioners and really we can't get it wrong because the stakes are so high. I'm polarizing that debate, of course, You know, anybody training or teaching does talk about mistakes, but any health professional will tell you if you make a mistake that causes a patient harm, that's the most devastating thing you could do. And so how can you possibly grow from that? Uh, So the whole idea of heart-centered in relation to that work is is in being self-compassionate, heart-centered in caring for yourself when you go through something like that as a health professional and not blaming and shaming, and then heart-centered in in your patient's experience and the family's experience and apology and all of the things around caring for families through something like that. So that was the work, and And feeling safe, psychologically safe. It takes a lot of courage to actually even bring up that topic. Do you see the awakening experience that you had in Scotland? Do you see that as a turning point in how you managed your energy and how you took on the next iteration of your work and life? Did that change everything or was this gradual? Yeah, it wasn't related singularly to that experience, but it was about it very much about being reconnected to that flow, to the flow of something sacred in our human experience that knowing that that would need for the rest of my life it doesn't just happen that we need that in our lives we need the connection to the sacred it is absolutely essential in fact we can't live without it cannot yeah as you when you talked about the first years when you started your phd you said that was getting the good grades that was pushing so you were actually repeating a certain way that probably would have taken you to burn out again, since that was the pattern. So I'm wondering what shifted. You said it was not a singular event. What else happened, which put you on that different path where the sacred became an absolute need for you? Yeah, a huge part, Claire, is finding community that share that sameness 
around that recognition. I found beautiful nature-based sacred community near the town I lived in. And so we would go and celebrate different events throughout the year. And just being with people who were also seeking to have some way to ritualize and, and to bring in the sacred mm. through practice into their lives. It's not to say this wasn't happening before for me. As a kid, I grew up in Scotland, so there was a lot of that sort of thing in our world as kids to be in nature. But it was about building in practices. So I did I pursued yoga teacher training and so building in some practices that brought this to the forefront for me. Rather than relying on it just randomly arriving, I built in ways of being that would bring it to me. Almost like I can see a plug being plugged into a wall or something, you know, like plug into the circuit. Yeah. yeah. So that's beautiful what you're saying because um, practices and community are really the two legs for embodied heart-centered leadership. Yes. So tell me more about this new role that you're stepping mm. into and the leadership that you're envisioning now from this new place. Yeah, so it's exciting how it works, but I'm going to be starting a research project that's looking at the effects of COVID for health providers in British Columbia. And so it's a huge honor. It is a fellowship and it's a two-year project. So I'm very nervous about being able to do a really good job. But I would hazard a guess that won the scholarship because I just kind of showed up as me, you know, I'm 56. And I'm very passionate about supporting health professionals, like from my heart, deeply, deeply, deeply from my heart, because I know that world and it is not an easy world. Uh, and I would imagine the people that have brought me on board for the project, they're looking for that, the authentic connection to the issue. Yes, scientific rigor. Yes, good scholarship. And yes, having an eye on the prize as far as being done in two years and having a completed, solid, robust, rigorous project from the heart. And it's, it feels great because it feels like I'm showing up 100% fully me, authentically. There's no division for me at home, between me at work. Yeah, I'm just fully standing myself now. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. I am worried about burnout. I really am. Those have to be built in. And for health practices as well as connection to the divine. Connection to spiritual life. Yeah. yeah. And connection to a community. Yeah. I think that's a very good place to end today, Abby. It's very inspiring to feel that there's no gap between who you are inside and what's yours to do on the outside, that you can truly give your gift. And yes, of course, there are structures and you can fully trust that your gifts are what's needed to do what's yours to do. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Claire. And best wishes to any women that are listening and, and are following you and are involved with you. Just keep doing the good work. Thank you for listening to Women Rise. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave us a review. To get announcements when a new podcast is published, send me an email at claire 
at uniqueselfemergence.com to be added on my distribution list. If you're interested in being a guest on my podcast or you would like to join my private free group for female leaders, go to my podcast description for the links to apply. Thanks again and see you soon on the Women Rise podcast.